Welcome to the Ship of Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, February 14th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. Yes, it is Valentine's Day, so if you haven't gotten your sweetie something, you better get on it. Anyway, coronavirus has become the new trade deal. It's the newest excuse for the daily movements in the markets. Midweek, there was some thought that the spread of the virus was slowing. Stocks went up and gold showed some weakness. Then it looked like the spread wasn't slowing, so stocks fell a little bit and gold showed some gains on safe haven buying. I just have to say that basing your investing decisions on daily disease reports is about as dumb as basing it on the latest trade war tweet. At any rate, gold is up a bit on the week. We're solidly above the key 1550 level. The yellow metal tested that last week and held above, so I think we've consolidated pretty solidly over the 1550 mark. This morning, we're trading at around 1577 an ounce, just below that, and we're on track for about a 0.3% gain on the week. Gold actually hit an all-time high in euros this week. Jerome Powell went to Capitol Hill to chit-chat with Congress. Now, that's always good for some political theater. You know, it's a good thing the Fed is politically independent, right? The Fed chair continued to peddle an upbeat message about the economy. He said there's no reason why the current situation of low unemployment, rising wages, high job creation, there's no reason why it can't go on. So the myth of the great economy continues. Of course, Trump keeps hammering on this point, too. It was a big theme in his State of the Union address. It's pretty obvious that's what the president is going to run on in this election. And of course, why wouldn't he? He's got low unemployment and a booming stock market, except that it's all BS. Like Peter Schiff said in a keynote speech at the Orlando Money Show last week, nobody should be taking credit for this economy. They should be asking who gets the blame. And the answer, of course, is the Federal Reserve. Yes, Jay Powell, I'm talking to you. Trump and a lot of other people keep acting like this is the most amazing economy we've ever seen. But we've seen it. We saw this very economy in the last few years of the Obama administration. Actual economic growth is pretty much on the same tepid pace now as it was then. The economy was creating jobs then like it is now. Stocks were going up then like they are now. The thing that frustrates me is Trump has to know this. He campaigned on pointing out that the economy was an illusion. He talked about the fake job numbers. He called the stock market a big, fat, ugly bubble. Then he got elected and he branded the exact same economy with a big Trump T and started bragging about it. You know why I think Trump really does know better and that this is all just politics? Because he keeps badgering Powell for lower interest rates. That's the only thing that's keeping this economy going. Now, when I say this, a lot of people will get upset with me and they'll say, quit criticizing Trump. I'm really not criticizing Trump. It's not Trump's fault. If I were going to point fingers, I'd be pointing them straight at Ben Bernanke, Janet Yellen, and Jerome Powell. Trump is playing politics. He's a politician. So this should come as no shock. But people need to realize that the foundation under this economy is rotten to the core, no matter how much Trump tweets otherwise. So anyway, Powell was talking up the economy during his little visit to Congress. Here's my favorite line from his speech. Quote, there is nothing about this economy that is out of kilter or imbalanced. Uh, hello, we have 1.5% interest rates at the peak of an expansion. We have trillion dollar budget deficits. You cut rates three times last year. I think something is a little bit out of kilter. 
Like a politician, most of what comes out of a Fed official's mouth is utter BS, but every once in a while, the truth slips out. That happened during Powell's testimony. In a moment of honesty, he tacitly admitted that the central bank is already engaged in extraordinary monetary policy, and he confessed that the Fed may not have the firepower to fight the next recession. During testimony before the House Financial Services Committee, the Fed chair conceded that the current low level of interest rates, quote, means that it would be important for fiscal policy to support the economy if it weakens, end quote. As Bloomberg put it, this is an unusual appeal by the head of a politically independent institution that is used to combating economic contractions on its own. Now, to be clear, fiscal policy means government stimulus. That's what Powell is saying. Now, one has to wonder how Powell expects Uncle Sam to step up and help when he's already engaging in some pretty extraordinary fiscal policy himself. The federal budget deficit will almost certainly eclipse $1 trillion this year year. That's only happened four times in history, all in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. In other words, the federal government is already doing recession-like stimulus. How's it going to do more to support the economy if it weakens? Well, I'll tell you how. More borrowing. And that will mean more Federal Reserve debt monetization. And by the way, Powell admitted this was on the horizon, too. During testimony before the Senate Banking Committee, Powell said that the central bank has two primary tools to fight a recession. The Fed can buy government bonds, otherwise known as quantitative easing, and it can use interest rate policy or forward guidance. We will use these tools, Powell said. I believe we will use them aggressively should the need arise to do so. But there is no room to cut interest rates aggressively. We're at 1.5%, ladies and gentlemen. Prior to the 2008 crash, we were at over 5%. Powell said we will have less room to cut? Uh, yeah, understatement, unless they go negative, which Powell insists won't happen. Of course, the Fed has already been cutting three times last year, and we're not even in a recession. So it's a really good thing nothing is out of kilter, right? Powell dismissed the suggestion that the central bank might consider directly funding the government. In other words, it's not going to just print money and deposit it in the Treasury. That's really an untested and not widely supported perspective, he said. Nope, the Fed is going to fund the government the old-fashioned way, buying bonds and forcing interest rates below market levels. In other words, quantitative easing. You see, the ugly truth is QE is nothing but a roundabout way of funding the government. It's debt monetization. As CFA Daniel Ammerman put it in a recent article, the Federal Reserve is doing what no responsible central bank is supposed to do and effectively funding the growth in the debt at well below free market interest rates via monetary creation on a massive scale without admitting that it's doing so. This is all about funding the fast-growing national debt at lower rates than what rational investors would accept in a free market, and the repo crisis was a symptom of that problem, not the cause. Powell got some questions about the repo operations, which of course are still going on. The central bank has been injecting billions of liquidity into these overnight markets for months, and there is some indication that repo operations will never end completely. Members of Congress kept referring to the issues in the repo market as a, quote, glitch. As Peter Schiff explained in a recent podcast, it wasn't a glitch, it was the market. He said what happened in the repo market is that interest rates shot up because there's so much borrowing and there's not enough savings to counteract it, to offset it. And so rates were moving up, which is what they should do. Rates are too low. 
they should be much higher. And so it wasn't a glitch. It was the market. And what the Fed did was intervene to hold those market forces at bay. Because if interest rates were allowed to rise, then the debt would be a huge problem right now because now we would be stuck with a massive bill on all this debt and we can't pay it. So in order to prevent that from happening, that's why the Fed came back to the repo market with all this QE. It was to artificially suppress rates again to keep those market forces at bay a while longer. So yes, Jerome Powell, something is out of kilter. Way out of kilter. In other news, Americans are still driving the U.S. economy along with borrowed money. The question is, how much longer can it last? Consumer debt surged once again in December as Americans charged up their credit cards for the holidays. Total consumer credit grew by $22.1 billion, according to the latest Fed data. Total consumer debt now stands at a record $4.197 trillion. Credit card borrowing drove the December debt increase, which of course comes as no surprise given that it was the Christmas shopping season. Still, looking at the bigger picture reveals some troubling trends. In the first place, Americans are driving the U.S. economy along with borrowed money. Consumer borrowing represents nearly a quarter of the $849 billion increase in nominal GDP last year. As Wall Street pointed out, without $187 billion in additional spending funded by $187 billion in additional debt, the U.S. economy would not have grown by 2.3% in 2019, but only by about 1.8%. And in the second place, there are signs borrowing is slowing down, December's holiday shopping binge notwithstanding. I've said this more than once, an economy built on borrowing money is not sustainable over the long haul. Do you hear that, federal government and American consumer? But luckily for us, nothing is out of kilter, right? I'm going to ask you to indulge me in a little bit of shameless self-promotion before I wrap up the gold wrap, pun intended. Uh, Some of you may know that I'm the communications director over at the Tenth Amendment Center, and uh, I recently published a book. The title is Constitution, Owner's Manual, The Real Constitution the Politicians Don't Want You to Know About. You know, when I first started studying the Constitution and the government that it was intended to create, I quickly realized that my government schooling did a very poor job of teaching me about America's governing principles. If you look at what the people who created the country said, It's crystal clear that the federal government was intended to be very, very limited, and most governance was meant to be at the state and local level. It was a decentralized system, the exact opposite of what we have today. So anyway, if you want to learn more about the Constitution as it was understood at ratification, you can check out my book. Just go to constitutionownersmanual.com. That's constitutionownersmanual.com. There's more info there and all of the ordering information. And if you want to learn more about what is really out of kilter in the economy, I highly encourage you to talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. You can do that today simply by calling 1-888-GOLD-160, or you can email those folks at info at shiftgold.com. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes, uh, on the Shift Gold YouTube channel, more channels upcoming. You can also follow Shift Gold News on Instagram, brand new. You'll find links for all this stuff on the show notes page. I appreciate you listening to the show. Again, have a wonderful, wonderful Valentine's Day, and thank you for listening.